from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and it's on the screen. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of whom are still living. Though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach. And this is what you believed. This is the word of the Lord. to thank you, Lord, for Rachel and her wonderful character and her energy and her confidence and her preaching is clear. So, Lord, please anoint her this morning in a special way. She's come with a message, but, Lord, may that message be especially blessed by you and anointed by you for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that wonderful prayer. I hope that too. (laughs) But I'm going to start this morning with just mentioning... How lucky I am. I am privileged to get to stand at the front and talk to you. And not only that, I don't have to talk about sex. I know. I don't have to talk about women staying silent. And I don't have to talk about how worship should be done. Instead, I get the honor of bringing us full circle from where we began our journey in September to the here and now. When Peter began this series, he spoke about the power of the cross. How stupid it seemed to outsiders to be worshipping someone who died in the worst way possible. But now Paul reminds us that it doesn't end at the cross. We don't just worship someone who died, but our gospel, the good news we are called to proclaim... And it is important that we proclaim it. The good news is in the power of the resurrection. This is the anchor of our faith. Normally, I like to start with a good hook. 
something attention-grabbing to make sure you're listening, perhaps an anecdote or a picture. But today, I think that that would detract from what matters. What could possibly match up to the awesome, attention-grabbing line from today's reading? In the words of Paul, what I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Fact. This seems to be one of the earliest creedal statements we have, and it is supported by eyewitnesses not just Jesus' closest followers, but more than 500 others. Over 500 people attest to the fact that Jesus died and was buried, and yet he was seen in bodily form after his death. And if they hadn't shared the good news, where would we be today? This is our gospel. We have a God who came to earth and died for us. And not only that, he rose again. Go and share this good news. Over the last two and a half months, we have seen that the Corinthian church had a problem or two. But the important thing is that through all this disorder, the chaos in worship, the treating people unfairly, what they need to remember, Paul says, is in verse 2. By this gospel, you are saved. This gospel, this good news. This good news is a good news that includes Jesus, the Son of God, dying. They and we are not saved by any other version of the Jesus story we might like. We're not saved through being hyper-spiritual. We're not saved through talking in tongues. It's not through getting rid of the bits that seem impossible not through arguing with one another over the details. Jesus died and was resurrected, or our faith is in vain. Jesus was dead. Jesus was raised. Fact. Go and share this good news. It was thought that the Corinthians had a problem with this because they were disgusted by the thought of a bodily resurrection. The Corinthians just love to be spiritual. Hence all the discussion we've had about the use of spiritual gifts in worship. So the next logical step for the Corinthians was to assume that the body didn't matter because it had nothing to do with the spirit. But that's not what we learn through Jesus. This is why it's thought that Paul writes this part of the letter to them. The Corinthians couldn't match up the in their eyes, superior outlook, where you don't worry about the body because it is the spirit that matters, they couldn't match this up to the truth of the resurrection. If the body isn't important, why was Jesus raised in bodily form? It seems that the Corinthians' focus was experiential. It was about what they were doing in worship and not on Jesus. Jesus was fully human. He died a fully human, horrendous death so that we might experience God's grace. Jesus was dead. 
Jesus was raised with a body. This might seem disgusting to the spiritual Corinthians, but he did appear in bodily form to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Fact. Go and share this good news. So can what was said to the Corinthian church be true of us today? Has our focus been overtaken by things other than Jesus? Where is our focus? Is it on squabbling? Is it on striving to be better than the next Christian? Is it on a need to follow exact rules? Have we ever been so distracted by being spiritual that we forget the facts of our faith? Are we focused on ourselves and our experience? Or are we focused on Jesus, who was dead and is raised? I'm not, exa- I'm not saying that experience isn't important, but all we do must find itself framed by these truths. Christ died, yes, but he also rose again. His body was seen, and we need to base our lives in this truth. Through this resurrection, we have grace. And grace seems a good point to sidetrack ever so slightly here. Because grace is a word that gets thrown around a lot in Christian circles. But do we ever find it difficult to explain to ourselves or even other people that we're trying to convince that Jesus giving us grace is a good thing? So my favorite analogy for grace involves cake. Imagine someone has broken into your house. First of all, your thought might be you want to punish them for what they've done. But if we're offering mercy, you don't punish in the way that they deserve. But if you're to offer grace, not only do you not punish them, you bake them a cake. And so, metaphorically, God has baked us a cake. And he's baked us a cake we don't deserve through Jesus. We go wrong, but God invites us into his loving arms. All we do should start with Jesus' death and resurrection. But God's grace is not just the response to the mess we make. Grace should be the starting point for our relationship with God. Often, we find ourselves starting with banishment from the Garden of Eden. But perhaps we should start with God lovingly creating everything and calling it good. God's grace is always the starting point. God doesn't and hasn't abandoned creation. We have hope through Jesus. We have a hope because the resurrected Jesus offers it to us. And we have a relationship with God that doesn't start at sin, but it starts at grace. In this freedom, we can choose how to live. What will you choose to do knowing that you are loved by God? We will always need to find a balance between how much time you spend doing, learning, and praying. But in whatever activity you are doing, 
come back to the truth that Christ died, was buried, and rose again. Fact. Go and share this good news. And in focusing on facts, I'm not saying that you can't have doubts. Even the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, has admitted having doubts. But he brings his doubts back to a belief in the fact of Jesus. Don't turn your doubts into facts. There are always going to be questions that we can't answer in this life. Unfortunately, you only have to turn on the news to be inundated with stories of human suffering. There are questions that we can't answer. But in the words of Archbishop Welby, we can talk about Jesus. I always do that because most of the other questions I can't answer. I keep going and call to Jesus to help me and he picks me up. We can talk about Jesus. Our faith is not just a crutch for those who are weak. It is not just a symbol or a feeling that there must be something else out there. Our faith is based on event, an event in human history where God became human. Jesus felt like we do. Jesus died like humans do. But then he was raised. And Jesus continues to be raised. It continues to be important for our faith today. It wasn't a one-time thing for people long ago. This is for the here and the now. Go and share the good news. Now don't hear me telling you to go and stand on the street shouting the good news. Each of us is unique and will have our own way of proclaiming this good news to others. It might be through conversations with neighbors. It might be through kind acts to strangers. It might be through standing up for injustice. But whatever your gifting is, use it. As Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. And each of us is what we are through the grace of God. Don't let that grace be without effect. Jesus died. Jesus was buried. Jesus was resurrected for us. Fact. Go and share this good news. We are a continuation of the God story. Like the eyewitnesses who passed on the knowledge that Jesus was resurrected, we are called now to do the same. Jesus was dead. Jesus was raised. Jesus offers us grace. These are the facts. This is our faith. This is our gospel to proclaim. Amen.